The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Isaiah 1-3 Hi, this is Pastor Jason from Christian Life Church in Waverly, New York. Welcome to Master's Crib, a weekly podcast where we interview pastors and leaders about the biblical teaching of authority. This program is designed to go alongside a personal Bible study aimed towards spiritual growth, biblical understanding, and a Christian worldview. Thanks for tuning in. Today on episode 15, we have Pastor Douglas Wilson of Christ Church in Moscow, Idaho, faculty member at New St. Andrews College, speaker and author of numerous books, including Future Men and Heaven Misplaced, Christ Kingdom on Earth, and the new one I have to get yet, Productivity. Uh, Pastor Wilson has a daily blog addressing a variety of current events and worldview issues and has been featured in several films, including The Free Speech Apocalypse. Pastor Wilson, welcome to Master's Crib. Yeah, thank you for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, appreciate it. So uh, just for a couple minutes, um, what got you started in, in where you are now with being a pastor? Let's just start there. Yeah, I was sort of... Um, if you want to put it this way, I was kind of handed the baby. Um, I was I was planning on going into literature ministry. My father um, ran evangelistic bookstores in college towns, mm. and after I got out of the after I got out of the navy, I came to Moscow here, where my dad's bookstore was, to go to school. I thought I'd just get my degree um, where my folks are, and then I was going to go on to another college town and start a literature ministry there like my dad's running a Christian bookstore. And, uh, what happened was there, there was a, a Jesus people type fellowship that had started up in Moscow. And I got out of the Navy in August and the church started, I think in September, the next month. And so I was a song leader for it. I played the guitar and I was the song leader and taught a Sunday school thing for this startup Jesus People Fellowship thing. And about a year and a half into it, while I was a student, the man who was doing the preaching announced one Sunday that he'd gotten a job in another city and he'd be gone the next Sunday and good luck, everybody. And (laughs) so I was up front with the guitar. Um, That was, uh, so I preached the next Sunday and because I was just sort of there. And, um, and then the Sunday after that, and the, that was the same church as that I'm pastoring today. The, the church grew and developed and changed and transformed doctrinally over the years, mm-hmm. but it's the same group of saints. Wow. So in all of the things that you're doing, in all of the things that, uh, that have, have come about now, there, there are different schools. Um, you have uh, Lagos, and there's a brick-and-mortar school, and an online school, uh, New St. Andrews. I mean, you have books coming out left and right. So all of that stuff, I want to lump all together and just ask you, what is the point of what you're doing? In all of this, what do you want to accomplish? So... Um there's the macro view and then the micro view. Hmm. The macro view is the great commission. So Jesus says, Jesus gave the church our marching orders right before he left. And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go disciple the nations. Hmm. 
So we're supposed to fan out, Christians are supposed to fan out over the globe and bring all the nations into um, submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that means that Christians in any particular town are supposed to be doing that in their within their sphere of influence. Mm. So that's the macro view, um, the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Uh, and we're supposed to be laboring in our uh, little portion of the vineyard, doing what we can uh, to bring that about. Uh, and so if you're on the micro view, I would say that our goal is to do to Moscow, Idaho, the earls to fill Jerusalem with their doctrine. So we want to preach and teach and have audio and podcasts and books and pamphlets and just uh, do whatever we can to get the word out about the lordship of uh, lordship of Jesus. Mm. So what is one of the things that you've taken part in over these years that seemed uh, maybe insignificant at the time, but uh, you've, you've seen quite a bit of fruit from. Are there, are there any of those ministries? I'm sorry, you, you cut out a little bit. Could you repeat the question? Oh, yeah. So what is, what is one of those things that you've taken part in over the years that's seemed you know, maybe slightly insignificant compared to other things, but that you've seen quite a bit of fruit from? Are there any of those ministries? Yeah, the, the, probably the most surprising thing would be the, um, uh, the educational uh, institutions, Logos School in New St. Andrews. Hmm. Um, I, grew up, I grew up with a dad who was a literature um, minister, and a lit- you know, giving away literature and so forth. I grew up around that kind of bookstore, so I always believed in the power of books. And I also grew up in church, and I believed that church was very important and, and essential. Um, I came to, I, I grew into, and came to understand the importance of Christian education. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, as uh, Logos School started in 1980 or 81, some somewhere there, early 80s, and we had like 19 students, and uh, na- this coming year, it's something like 480 students, mm. and this is a small town. This is it's so. This is one of the largest schools, second largest school in town. Praise God. Um, and I've and, and a large percentage of the of the students are children of alums. Mm. So the the thing that's been surprising to me is how. Um, parents want their children to have the same experience that they did and they come they come back around we're starting to see the same thing with new st andrews college we have maybe five or six children of alums that they're the tip of the spear that we're we started a little bit later and it takes longer to get to freshman you know 18 years uh, but we're starting to see the same thing where fam, uh, family rootedness in these educational institutions is starting starting to take shape. Hmm. So, uh, just one more question about you and your ministry. Um, one thing that you would have done differently up to this point, just 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 one thing. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> am I limited to one thing? <laughs> uh, so there, there are. Um, I would have wished that I was more theologically prepared and equipped mm. for all the stuff that was going to be coming at me. Mm. Uh, I had to. I had to do a lot of on-the-job training and a lot of catch-up and reading. And in some respects, there, there was a plus to it because that meant what I was teaching was fresh and new to me and exciting. But um, people ought not to go into the kind of ministry that I wound up with with the degree of um, unpreparedness that I had. <laughs> well, amazingly about that is, you know, you would have wanted to be more prepared, and uh, you have really worked very hard in getting uh, different media out there and books that is preparing the rest of us, you know, that are that are just kind of stepping up to the plate. So um, I greatly appreciate that. I know a lot of our listeners greatly appreciate that. So that's really cool. The, the one thing you see as a weakness is something that you have uh, you have worked to remedy for for the next group that's coming up. So that's really really awesome. Well, thank you. So. Let's just take a couple minutes, you and I, and tear into God's Word. We're going to look at uh, God's Authority to Judge is the title we're looking at here. And we're looking at just a little section of the book of Jonah. And i just like to read that. It says in Jonah 3, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. So Let's talk about God's authority for a second. Doesn't God's authority extend only to his people? What business does he have sending out someone to another nation? Yeah. yeah. So that's a very interesting question. Uh, and I would say, yes, God's authority extends only over that which is his, but everything is his. <laughs> the church is his in a redemptive sense, but everything else is his because he made it. Mm. So, uh, when, when God speaks to Nineveh, he's speaking to Nineveh as the creator of every pebble in that city. Mm. The, hairs of, uh, the hairs of every Ninevite's head were numbered by him. Not one sparrow fell to the ground in a backyard in Nineveh, apart from the father. Um, so, you, I would echo the words that um, Job where he submitted the Lord's determination. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So the Lord has every, uh, the Lord has authority over everything he gives. Mm. And he gives everything. Mm. Wow, that is amazing. So what about with Jonah? What authority does Jonah have to go to Nineveh and to preach this message? Yeah, so... Um, you remember when Jonah, before he, before he went to Nineveh, he tried to get away. And when he told the sailors on the ship in the storm that he was a servant of the Most High God, uh, their response was basically, yikes. You know, <laughs> okay, this man, 
this man is in touch with, is a, is a mouthpiece for, is a spokesman for the God who, who made everything, the God who governs the storm that we're now in, mm. the God who grew the trees that made the ship that we're sailing. Um, so anybody who is in uh, communion with or is a spokesman for or is a prophet for the creator God has authority to speak to any part of creation, okay? So in, in Israel, the, the people of Israel were God's uh, adopted people. They were salvifically his. So when Je- uh, just to bring it up into modern times, as a Christian, I'm redeemed, I'm purchased by Jesus Christ, but I'm purchased for a particular purpose. I'm, I'm purchased for redemption. Mm. I was already his. I already belong to him mm. by virtue of his creation of me. So um, he creates me. I belong to him by, by virtue of creation. We rebelled against him, and he sent his son to die, purchased me with his blood, and now I belong to him by, by right of redemption also. But that's a second layer. That's a second layer of his ownership. Mm. Um, there's not one square inch of the created order anywhere that God doesn't own. So now take that up to today to, you know, the, the young guy that goes out on the campus, young, old, it doesn't matter, throws the box down, pops open his, his copy of God's word. He has now entered into a secular university and it's, it's public area and people shout out to him, you have no authority to preach to me. What authority does he have? Is that like what Jonah has? Yes. Yes. If he, if he is called to the ministry and he's speaking for God, he's speaking the truth of God's word, if the Bible really is God's word and the God who, who inspired the Bible is the God who created heaven and earth, then he has the authority to speak to the person who denies his authority to speak, mm. right? Wow. Now, there, there's an important, there's an illustration uh, I, I learned from my dad. My dad is a very gifted evangelist. Uh, suppose, and I'm not recommending anybody do this, but <laughs> if I'm if I walk up to someone in a dark alley and stick a gun in his back and say, "Give me your wallet," right? Mm-hmm. Give me your wallet, or you die. Um, and let's say the person I, I'm mugging sit, laughs carelessly and says, well, you, you know, I'm, I'm afraid you can't do that because I don't believe in guns. <laughs> okay, now, if I turn embarrassed, if I turn red and put the gun away, the problem, the, the reason that mugging doesn't occur is not because the, that guy doesn't believe in guns. It's because I don't, mm. right? Wow. So if I'm going up to do some open-air preaching and I open the Bible and someone yells at me, put that stupid book away, I don't recognize your stupid book. If I get embarrassed and shuffle my feet and put the book away, the problem is not that he doesn't believe in it. Oh. The problem is that I don't. Wow. Wow, that is powerful. <laughs> so the fact that God relents... The fact that that they call for a fast uh, is that 
showing a limit to God's authority because God tells Jonah, go there and tell them this, and then he backs off. We know Jonah gets mad about the whole thing. Does that show that there's a limit to God's authority? No, it because the, the thing that is, there's an implied condition of Jonah's, excuse me, Jonah's message is simply straightforward. 40 days in the city will be destroyed. Now, the imp, there's an or else implied. Mm. Okay. There, there's an implication. And when the people repent and then God relents, the fact that we can see that there was a condition not stated but attached to the message can be seen in the fact that Jonah is mad about that. Mm. And Jonah says, I knew you were going to do this. <laughs> right? So, so Jonah, when Jonah fled and didn't want to preach to Nineveh, it wasn't because Jonah was a coward. It was because he was a patriot. Mm. Right? Wow. He loved his country. He loved his countrymen. He knew how evil Nineveh was. And he, he wanted to see Nineveh go down. He wanted to see Nineveh destroyed. And he knew that if he preached to Nineveh, that they would repent and that God would receive it. And he didn't want that to happen. So that, that's how the book ends. He goes out outside of town, town to look at uh, Nineveh being destroyed, and he gets peeved when it isn't. Mm. Right? So the, the, the problem is Jonah's bitterness against Nineveh. It's not a, a question of God's authority, because God has the authority to destroy Nineveh, he has the authority to have a, a unspoken condition where he forgives them if they repent, but he doesn't tell them about that beforehand. Even um, even in human situations, uh, you might say, let's say someone owes you some money, and you say to your wife, you know, if he comes and seeks my forgiveness, um, I'm going to forgive the debt, but I'm not going to tell him that I'm going to forgive the debt. Right? Yeah. I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to tell him that. I think that's where Nineveh was. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So then, obviously, I mean, reading through the entire book of of Jonah, I mean, if we are to take this as truth, which which we as the church do, we as believers do, God's authority is not limited. I mean, even creation is still. This is beyond. You know, the beginning is still responding to what God is saying, even through his prophet. I mean, we see repentance here. We see later on, you know, God, God raises up that, that little shrub to kind of cover Jonah. Uh, it's, he's, it's cool because all over the place, we just see God's authority everywhere. His fingerprints are all over the place. So when that idea, thinking about the culture we live in today, do you see our culture in general as being friendly to the idea of authority in general? No. Our, our, our culture is hostile to authority, which is why they're going to get so much of the wrong kind of it. Wow. Okay. So um, here, here's how, this is how it works. Human societies are intended by God to function in a molecular way. Mm. Picture every individual as an atom. And we form in molecules simple molecules like a family, complex molecules like a church, or you know, Edmund Burke's little platoons. Mm. The state, the, the, the modern secular state, 
wants to atomize everything, wants to break down all lesser loyalties. The loyalty that I have to my family, to my region, to my town, to um, um, my fellow Christians. They want, they want to deal with me as an atomistic individual. Mm. And so, so the human society is like a sack full of BBs, right? Wow. It doesn't have any structure. But if those BBs are all connected, like in molecular bonds, then all of a sudden there's a rival to the state's authority. Mm. Okay. Um, so uh, the, the, the problem that we have is because wives don't submit to their husbands, because children are not obedient to their parents, because parishioners don't honor their leaders in their church, because there's been a, uh, a breakdown of authority in all the day-to-day -day relationships, what happens is we've been dissolved down into this atomistic, fragmented society, which means that the state can push us around however they want. Wow. Wow. Now, how good of a job do you think the church has done at addressing this particular issue? I think the church at large has done a very poor job. We don't, we don't uh, have anybody really anymore exercising authority. Mm. Right? Where we, we want to speak of uh, Christian leaders as leaders, not as rulers. Mm. Right? Right? Yeah. Um, so basically, you can lead, you can be the guy up front, so long as you check in with us before making any decisions. You can lead as long as you get buy-in from everybody. Mm. Right? But that's, that's not um, authority. Wow. So how did that happen? At what point did, did we see this major shift uh, where we went from authority to just being a leader that needs to check with everyone. When did that happen? Well, there, uh, man, that's a hard thing. I, <laughs> historians like to hang their hats on particular dates, and I'm going to give you a couple. Um, basically, I think a lot of the trouble started with Jean-Jacques Rousseau mm. and his notions of social contract and how societies form. But in a practical way, in the United States, I think this began in the Second Great Awakening, and let's say the first third of the 19th century. So from 1799 uh, down to 1830, the election of Andrew Jackson. That's where that's where American individualism really took off, where where everybody said, okay. I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm going to be my own dog. I'm going to do everything. Now, I also want to say that there are, there are certain admirable characteristics about that individualism that I respect and like and to a certain extent participate in. But I think there was a real erosion of institutional authorities mm. uh, that, be that began in the, in the first half of the 19th century in the United States. So... 
where knowing all that, knowing our history, what's kind of led up to, and knowing what we have in front of us now, knowing that the the church has really kind of done a lousy job with teaching people authority. I mean, we don't even know who to turn to when we're in trouble. Uh, instead of turning toward the church, a lot of people are turning toward outside organizations, entities, even the government, uh, which seems to have become kind of the primary uh, the primary authority that people are reaching to. So. Knowing all that, where does real change begin? How can we turn the tide on all this as the church? Yeah, uh, real change begins. Um, I'll just put it this. I like that one of my favorite humorists is a guy named P.J. O'Rourke, who um, once said, everybody wants to change the world, but nobody wants to help mom with the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right? good. So. Uh, so what we want to do is we want to change the world in, in ways that make us feel good about ourselves, mm-hmm. but don't require any actual outlay of sacrificial work, mm-hmm. right? So change begins, I think, in our marriages, in our homes, in our congregations, basically. Make a list of all the people you know. The, the faces that come to mind when you think of the people, your, your close circle of friends, family and friends. And I think reformation and revival and transformation is going to begin there. Mm. Wow. That's awesome. So th- that's, that's, that's the route and that's, that's where we have to go. Well, I really, really appreciate uh, appreciate you. I appreciate this conversation, and I thank you very much. I just wanted to give you an opportunity just to let our listeners know how they can learn uh, more about you and more about um, the ministries that you're involved in. Yeah, the, the best portal, if you want to go to one place to find out all the different things that I'm, I've got my fingers in, <laughs> uh, I would go to my blog, which is dougwills.com, D-O-U-G-W-I-L-S. Dot com. That's my blog, uh, blog and May blog. And then if you just look at the landing page, um, there's a there's a, a place to click to get to pretty much everything I'm associated with, whether it's Christchurch or ACCS or Logos School or New St. Andrews. Uh, it's all there. Well, wonderful. Well, Pastor Wilson, I thank you so much for coming on Master's Crib. I'll be praying for you and your family. And again, thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you.